Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, it's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Crossroads wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across Sheffield from the 31st of May to the 2nd of June. So other podcasters that you'll be able to see include Katie Price, Catherine Ryan, Ramesh Ranganathan and the original Adam Buxton. But there's also a whole host of free fringe events, family shows, surprise acts and after parties that Jane and I haven't yet been invited to. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcozzi, and this week I'm pleased to be joined by Mr. Tony Evans, Mr. Patty Barkley, and broadcasting live from Rippenden at Clark Carlisle's house. No, nearby, it's Ollie Kay. Today we'll be focusing on the controversial match between Chelsea and Tottenham Hotspur and also Arsenal. Have they potentially changed the season with their win over Manchester United? And also we'll be asking the panel who's going down as we take a look at the relegation run-in. So please join us for the next 40 minutes or so of some of the best football conversation you'll hear all week unless you hang out at Tony Evans' local pub. All right, let's start at the Emirates. Arsenal defeat Manchester United, possibly reopening the title. At least we have another seven days of excitement, of course, uh, with Chelsea visiting Old Trafford next week. Um, But before we get into the game, the implications, um, I want to throw something out there. It wasn't that long ago that they had a 12-point lead over over Chelsea. Playing about Manchester United here. Is this a bit of a late-season collapse, Paddy? Well, we won't know until next Sunday. And, uh, I mean, I just can't see... I, I just cannot uh, envisage how that game will go. I mean, all I know is it's, it's the most gripping uh, match of the domestic season now. But for next Sunday, I mean, until now, they had a 12-point lead. Now, yeah, no, they don't they have, have it. They have fallen. Their away form this season has been uh, very poor for a champion side. There's no, no question about that. Um and uh, you know, in some games they've been lucky, lucky with refereeing decisions and so on. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're not the most resilient Manchester United. They are on their day, but they're 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 a team who we saw in the Champions League game against Chelsea. They can lift themselves to tremendous heights uh, for games, but uh, when they're when they're just giving a normal performance, they're not that special. Um, so you know, I think we're going to get. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see who's basically we've got a meritocratic league at last, um, and it, it may all end on on Sunday. But uh, it, it, it 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 just it, it basically what people have been saying. There's not a great Manchester United side. They're just proving it. Tony, looking at the match, I, I, I thought Arsenal really played very well, especially in in, in the first half and. Sometimes we jump to conclusions, but obviously Cesc Fabregas was the guy who wasn't there, and Aaron Ramsey was there, and I'm sure this will prompt some people to suggest that maybe Cesc is part of the problem and not part of the solution. Is that crazy talk? 
almost, but not quite. I mean, the reality is that when you've got the likes of Sesk and Nazri in there, there's too much a sideways ball. The one thing Ramsey does, he goes up and down the pitch. He's an up and down midfielder, and he'll you know he'll work box to box. And I think they need more of that. I think you know the, the balance hasn't been quite right in the Arsenal midfield. But I mean, in terms of the title race, you know, I'd say the, the one thing that's happened over the last few months, we've all been fixated on Torres and the Champions League uh, in terms of Chelsea, and Torres has distracted us from Lampard hitting form again, beginning to score again, and Drogba being superb. And the fact that Chelsea have taken, what, what 36 points from 14 games? You know, they've started to play well again. So, you know, it's... Um, as I say, we, we, we tend to get obscured by these seemingly big issues and miss the simple things that, like, Chelsea have been playing quite well. And, he, you know, not the, not the hardest run, but they have been playing quite well. Paddy, why was Arsenal better? Uh, simply because this, they, were, they were really up for this game. I mean, they should have won it. Uh, I mean, it really, it could have been four or five. The, the finishing was terrible. The counter-attacking was... Uh, uh, fizzled out so many times a poor ball uh, even though they, they had they, they often had a numerical advantage uh, over what was a dismal Manchester United team but no as far as the, the, the Fabregas thing I don't think the Fabregas thing um, was involved he's a better player than Aaron Ramsey is at, at the moment and probably ever will be but he's not been good he's not had a great season Two thoughts I had I mean one is that Arsenal seem to perform an awful lot better with the pressure off and with the um title finally out of the range than, than they have done for the, for the past couple of months I think I, I, I think that they've thrived now that March and April and the misery of that is, is over and I think that probably raises as many questions as it you know it's, it's what, what, what more questions and answers territory but regarding United they've had incredible success against Arsenal over the last few seasons playing 4-3-3 or 4-5-1 or, or at least a three-man three central midfield and they've gone away from that in their away games um, in the second half of the season and the, the big away games at um, Chelsea and um, Liverpool and Arsenal and uh, obviously it worked in the Champions League at Chelsea but the, you look at the results they're losing these away games that, where, where they would previously not lose where they would previously get a point or, or, or even sneak a win at Arsenal and I thought they were outnumbered totally um, in, in central midfield areas yesterday uh, two big controversial um, incidents, talking points, I guess. Um, one, Nemanja Vidic's uh, handball, um, which denied a, a goal-scoring opportunity at the very least. The other one is um, Gail Clichy uh, on Michael Owen. Uh, Owen, of course, who, who tweeted that he, he's going to score a big goal this season. He's running out of games and wondering if it's going to be the Champions League final. I'm assuming we all agree that both should have probably been given, yes? Without a doubt. No dissent there? I'm I'm not absolutely sure about the cliche one. I mean, we've seen it so many times before from Owen. It probably should have been. The Vidic one should have been a penalty and a red card, of course. (coughs) Which brings my point. Sir Alex Ferguson, um, I guess he, he... didn't quite see it that way, um, and was rather uh, was rather was rather tough here. Um, and I'm quoting here from uh, Matt Hughes' piece, um, where he said about the first one. He said, "Well, it was a definite flick of the hand from Vidic, but it's a very difficult to see that one." So he excuses the referee for not mm. yeah. sanctioning it. Mm-hmm. But we all had a clear view of the second one. It was a clear penalty kick. We're not going to get decisions like that in a major game. We don't get to see these decisions. Um, 
Now, you know, Matt suggests in his piece that, you know, it's a provocative claim, which I think it pretty much is, and it's likely to be yeah. examined by the FA. Mm. Um, Patty, is it a case that the differences between saying the referee got it wrong and we don't get those decisions is is that yeah is that it's, it's a huge it's it's the same difference he, the, the one he tried to wriggle out of last time after he'd said we need a fair referee oh, 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 oh by the way strong referee and so no doubt he'll try to wriggle out of this one as well but it's it's basically it's the the organized paranoia thing again he's been done he had a too much suspension so the last time they added it up to five i think this time it's got to be ten um, it is becoming utterly ridiculous, um, and he's just not—he's uh, just not learning. So, uh, so you're going to make him sit in the stands with his white phone? Uh, no. What I would do—I'll tell you exactly what I'd do. I'd ban him for ten matches, beginning the, the first uh, four would be at the. Uh, is, have they got four left this season? Three, uh, and the first seven of next season, and during the summer. Uh, uh, the FA should do something instead of twiddling their thumbs all summer the, at their summer meeting they should change the uh, uh, the sanction on managers to in line with UEFA's so that uh, basically he won't be allowed to be with his team or more important harassing referees during match days for the first seven matches of next season and if that doesn't work double it again uh, Tony if, if you as a fan get a banning order um, you have to go report to the police station mm. uh, you're not allowed anywhere near the ground Managers get banned or they get sent off in the case of Mourinho uh, uh, in the Champions League last week, and he just sits in the first row next to the bench. Um, yeah, and, and we even changes, yeah. And, 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 you know, even in the past against Bayern Munich, he was smuggled into the game in a laundry skip into the dressing room. Actually, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's make them go to the game in a laundry skip and be filmed. The humiliation might mean they don't do this thing very mm. often. But, you know, I, I, I think the, the point is, I don't mind man just saying he got this wrong. Yeah. It's the language that's crept into yeah. the game. Against Blackburn, you know, Wenger said he was disgusted mm. by a linesman's decision. Disgusted. Mm. You know, and then you've got Fergus. And the, the ultimate, the governed hypocrite mm. yesterday, the, the, the socialist who takes a knighthood. There you've got him saying, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, the referee wouldn't have seen the one that was against us, but yeah, we, you had to see the one, you know, mm. for us. It's just crap. Yeah. And anyone who takes these fellas seriously is mad. Mm. And if the FA had any balls, they clamped down and they really, I, I agree with Patty, yeah. banned them for a long length of time and David shut them up. Yes. Ollie, you wrote a, you wrote a column um, about this today and I, 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 I'm always intrigued by this. Was with, you know, we've met these managers. We know these these are intelligent people, and I'm always left to wonder, you know, when they come out with these statements after the game, is it just the fact that it's you know the post match intensity, or are they sending a message? Is there a plan afoot when they come out and and and, and say stuff like this? Um, but you point out in your column today that it's a bit of if it, it's the, if it's the latter, it's a bit of a double edged sword. Well, I mean, Ferguson and other managers always use this excuse, this excuse of you know, they're talking in the heat of the moment, cameras, microphones thrust in front of their faces, and they have to give, you know, they're expected to give um, calculated, measured uh, appraisals um, so soon after the final whistle. I think they are measured and calculated appraisals. I think Ferguson uh, knows exactly what he's saying there. I think Mourinho knew exactly what he was saying. Um, 
last week in Madrid. I think you know, Tony Pulis and other, other managers, Wenger, I, I think they all know exactly what they're saying. As Tony was saying, there's this particular language that has, has crept into uh, managers' post-match talk. And I think a lot of it um, does come from Ferguson. He's not, but he's not the only... Um, He's not the only culprit, but he, but he's very influential in this regard. And I, I, I genuinely don't think that they believe that you know, some of this stuff they're saying. But they're saying it to to impress on. Well, they're trying to influence what's written, certainly. But I think more importantly, they're, they're trying to influence what the fans think, and more important than that, what the referees think in the next game. And, and, and they want to plant a seed in the referee's mind, so that. But that's why it's so if, serious. It, that's exactly, why it's so exactly. serious. If it becomes, and it. it it will, if it becomes uh, the assumption, and it and it spreads, you know, downwards as undoubtedly it always does. So that if Exeter, for example, lose a match that ends in their being relegated, you know, half of Exeter will think that that's because the blue square thing have got something against it. You know, this is a horribly infectious thing that Ferguson's done and it's something that for the first 120 years of the professional game's existence didn't happen. Mm. It's he mm. and it, it's Ferguson and people like him, acolytes like Mourinho, who are poisoning the game and I really think it's time for, for much more serious sanctions to be taken against them than have been done so far. Well, I... I guess I'll play devil's advocate here. Uh, mm. I come from a country where we, people have said things like that for many years. Uh, we're not going to get those decisions yes. and so on. And We've laughed at you. You laughed at us. And then we woke up one morning. But now we're we, the same. No, no, no. But what I'm driving at, we woke up one morning in 2006, uh, May, and found out that it was all true. Yeah. There, there, there was yeah. some direction. People were assigning certain referees to certain games yeah. with a reason. People were getting, referees were handing out uh, certain yellow cards so players would be banned in certain matches and fu- later. And funnily enough, it was the big, powerful clubs who were, do- who were doing this. Yeah. It wasn't the little ones on the end of it. And who's doing all the whinging now? Uh, Ferguson, well, Mourinho, Wenger. Yes. Yeah, okay, but, are they right, connected right, with big, sorry. powerful clubs? Well, yes, they are. But, you know, um, Inter Milan and Roma were big, powerful clubs. Uh, in Italy, Barcelona are a big, powerful club. Arsenal are a big, powerful club, and they get the benefit of this decision. And I'm still wearing my devil's advocate yeah, 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 hat sure. here. But is there is there any way we can conceive of a conspiracy? I guess is what I'm nope. driving at. No. Nope. Ollie, you can rule that out 100. percent 100. percent There is no conspiracy. Ferguson shouldn't go out there and say why Atkinson, why whoever the fool is refereed yesterday. Oh God, Foy. Why Peter Walton? He shouldn't go out and do that. No, I, don't, I think there's, there's potentially an argument to be had about certain referees being able to handle a big occasion. I don't think a referee, um, I don't think managers should should make that statement. Certainly not before and, and, and not after a big game. But you you do get unfair decisions. But it's, but it's a long way to go from unfair decisions to saying that there's an unfair conspiracy against. Well, I mean, we they, saw they, the conspiracy they, yesterday, they, didn't we? You know, one went for. United one went against them. Yep. Some conspiracy. Yes. And, and it's you a go back to that Chelsea, United Chelsea game last season, where I mean, Ferguson, I'm sure, will trot that out um, several times this week about Drogba's offside goal. Drogba did score an offside goal, but mm. Chelsea were also denied a penalty in the first half, a very mm. clear penalty. Yes. I think it was possibly Gary Neville or somebody on Maluda. And United's late goal in that game. Um, <laughs> 
came off Makeda's uh, hand. I mean, this is a this is a sort of selective yeah. memory, selective um, uh, sort of appraisal. That, I mean, people have to fans I, have to stop. Even I, I think West Brom have more to complain. Now, Gary, Gary Neville brings a chainsaw yes, onto the pitch exactly, <laughs> and, like, exactly. and kills two men, <laughs> and, even, and they don't give a penalty. Even the what the example that people hold up of a, of a referee not being up to the task, the Tom Henning of of Rebo uh, instance. Nobody mentions that in the first leg of that match, it w- the two key decisions, including the award of a penalty that should have involved a red card, went in favour of Chelsea. Because mm. Rebo wasn't refereeing that game. No, no, but the point is that re- the, the balance of refereeing right. well, I mean, if you're, if you're, didn't... I mean, perhaps, no, I, I take your point. Over the two legs. Perhaps another argument mean? might have also been Abidal's red card if, if, if you are manipulating yes, and, the game exactly. why do you send somebody off from halfway down the pitch the, the only thing if, if you examine these things the only thing if you examine them intelligently and honestly the only conclusion you ever come to is the one Tony has led us towards which is that there isn't any conspiracy and that these things balance out on to Stamford Bridge Chelsea against Tottenham Hotspur okay <laughs> Gomez spills the ball we don't really need to have a debate on goal line technology, do we? Because we're all in agreement. What? Goal, goal line technology? It depends what you mean by that. Do you mean something with a, a, um, a, 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 a that will only d- tell whether you whether the ball's over the line? Yes. No, I'm very much against that. F- fundamentally against that. I think we need a television because what you will have... We need if, a television? Yes. Basically, the fourth official needs to watch the game on television, as most of the spectators do. If you do that, you restore the original balance between spectator and referee, which existed when before television was invented, and uh, everything would be fine. The problem is, if you bring in goal line technology, it would be the most disastrous thing that you could do, because what you would then do is you would provide fairness in that but not in the other decision. And if you look at the, uh, for example, uh, the Chelsea-Tottenham game, perfect example, the Lampard goal would not have counted, um, although his goal would have counted in South Africa. And then people would have said, yes, but the Kalu one was even more blatant. Why can't we have offside technology? And then you will be having, you will end up with a sort of just judiciary, judicial inflation in which people will be demanding exactitude in every decision. You, then you will destroy the game. And, and it, it dismays me that Blatter, who talks about tradition, is flirting with goal line technology, which will destroy the tradition of the game, and not simply bringing in television assistance, which will restore us to our traditional balance between naked uh, of the naked eye between spectator and official I, I mean uh, it, to me I have absolutely no problem with the fifth and sixth official I, I mean I'd have a seventh and eighth mm. but and, and the ninth and a tenth I mean the more people uh, helping uh, the referee the better but I can't understand why this has to always miss out the fourth I, I want to steer back to 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 the game um, I want to say this about, about Gomez. I mean, Lampard said he was due one after Bloemfontein, fair enough. I'm wondering if Gomez was due one too, because I don't think he's that bad a goalkeeper. And I'm going out on a limb here in defending him. But he strikes me as the classic goalkeeper who makes saves he's not supposed to make. Yeah. And he then is. he goes and does things like this. And we're always suspicious of it because we want security above all from our goalkeeper. But 
in the end, should we be thinking of goalkeepers maybe more in the way that we think of strikers? I mean, Gomez saved um, Tottenham's bacon many times this season by making saves he wasn't supposed to make. Mm -hmm. And then here, perhaps he cost them a point. He's, he's got all the physical tools, you know. He's a great shot stopper. Um, he's, he's unsure coming out for the ball in this area, and always has been, you know. It's a, and he probably doesn't understand the physicality of the game, and you know, in this country. But you know, he's 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 a better goalkeeper than the joke figure yeah. people. Tony Tony will recognise the uh, parallel with Bruce Grobler. Well, yeah, he was exactly. always a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I hated watching him, you know, because mm. you never knew what you were going to get. But, you know, it's um, he probably give you more points over the season yep. than, he, than he lost you. Um, and probably Gomez has the season. Do you remember that season when Liverpool would have gone through the whole season without defeat, but for Grobler chucking one in in the derby? Yes. But did you mind? You still won the league. <laughs> won the league by then. And the goalie was, uh, played a part in it. Yeah. Um, Paddy, coupled with last week's uh, result, the, the, the home draw against uh, West Brom, yes. does this mean that um, Spurs have just said au revoir to, champ to the Champions League next season? Yes, um, I do think that. Um, they can they can work to get back into it. It's not going to get any easier. We've got Liverpool, but another thing we saw yesterday, we saw that Liverpool are certainly going to be pushing uh, for Champions League. Um, and uh, they're going to make up seven points. And no, no, I bet next three. season. I no, mean. I remember this season. So this season, the Champions League's done. So I want, I want well, to of course, this. they're capable I, of I doing it. I want you to tell me if you're Daniel they're, Levy, right, this summer. Yes. I'm just I'm just trying to, to, to I'd like you to tell me. What should he be thinking of? Because he's got a manager don't, who... Don't go crazy. Well, but, but he's got a manager who will leave him... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Either against his will yes. in June yes. or, um, or, or to go manage England after Euro 2012. That's mm. pretty much guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So... Whatever you do, you have to probably do in terms of medium-term building. Yes, you know, with a new manager, should you start thinking no, of the, the most, new manager now? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would be I would be surprised and disappointed if he didn't already have a have a list. What you don't you don't do spend money is accede to any requests Redknapp may make to go big spending. You must not do that. That would be an absolute disaster for a club. Yes, and if he does, 
go. I mean, he's going to go. Good riddance. Uh, yes, absolutely good riddance. They've had a good... Uh, Are you guys criticising Harry Redknapp? No, no, the next I'm, England no, I'm only criticising him if he threatens to go, if he isn't given money, then it would be good riddance. Mm. Of course, he's brought absolute joy to Tottenham Hotspur and English football. They are, um, you know, they're, 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 they're probably, uh, in, in many cases, uh, overtaken Arsenal as most people's second favourite team. Um, so, you know, no... Absolutely not. We're not slacking off Harry Redknapp. We're just saying if he wants to go, there's the door. Well, I am sort of, because we've seen all Harry's strengths and weaknesses this season, haven't we? We've seen teams that have played with gay abandon. Have, you know, the, you know, we, we, we've seen them have great results and we've seen them ship goals and we've seen a, ta- a tactical naivety, which, you know, stunned me. You know, even when I was uh, when I was coaching the, the San Clemente under-12s, even <laughs> I, I wasn't I was as tactically you naive. When you were doing the San Clemente under twelve. those boys or girls? Uh, boys, although I did do okay. girls as well, you know. Did you, so did you, you never coached against Michael Eminalo's team, did you? No, I didn't. Okay, no. just wondering. Just checking. Ollie, um, <laughs> uh, 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 seriously, when you look at, when you look at the Spurs team, I mean, Van der Vaar, I, I was very skeptical about his signing at the start of the season, and I, I ate humble pie, I said, oh no, I was wrong. Van der Vaart's great, but he's been awful the last couple of months. Um, You've got, you've got a messy situation with the strikers. Strikers you can't move, strikers who don't score. Um, at the back, William Gallus isn't getting any younger. Uh, some people might say Sebastian Basong isn't getting any better. Um, Huddleston's coming back from this horrible injury. You don't know what's going on with him. It's... Are Spurs, put it this way, if Redknapp goes, is he leaving Spurs in good shape or will his successor, or Redknapp himself if he stays, still have a lot to do with this team? Well, I don't think there's, a, there's an awful lot to do. I just think it's a, a big squad of, um, you know, there are a lot of quality players in there, but it's not really very obvious what you would do next to, to, to take them to the next level, to, to try to establish them as a, as a regular top four team, which um, is something that they haven't been for years and years and years. I'll tell you what, getting rid of uh, Pavlyuchenko would help, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, it, it probably would. But Is that but, not but, the worst centre-forward in the Premier League? I think he's not even the worst centre forward on Spurs. I, I think a mobility scooter for Huddleston, you know, would be a start. He's big boned. Stop it. And he's, he's been injured. Have Spurs got one centre forward as good as Kevin Doyle? No. The answer is no. They're bits and pieces. They're Dave Clark five strike force. I wouldn't say that. Kevin Doyle is necessarily better than all Spurs strikers. I think he's had a better season. I'll tell you, I think he's better than all three put together. No, well, I don't, <laughs> no. I don't, I don't think... Um, I, I, I don't remember sort of when Crouch and Defoe were, have been scoring goals in the past um, you know, for club and country people and people saying, uh, God, if, if only Kevin Doyle was English. He's a good player, but I don't think he's... I don't think he's... I don't, I, <laughs> I would suspect that if he'd been at Spurs, he would have fallen victim to the same malaise that is. Um, well, I think well, it does. It does help when, when, if you're fit, you play. And I, d- I don't think it's helped uh, in particular Crouch. I don't think it's helped Crouch or Defoe that they, that the careers are so staccato. Mm. 
Well, there you have it. That's your, that's that probably could be our debate for this week. Who's better, Kevin Doyle or the Spurs' entire strike force? <laughs> but instead, we have a different debate lined up for you, and we're going to take a, a closer look at the relegation run-in. Now, we've, we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. We, we've identified six at-risk teams, Birmingham, Blackburn Rovers, Blackpool, Wigan Athletic, Wolves, and, of course, West Ham United. Um, Real simple. Uh, we're going to go around, and I will ask one of you to tell me why this team is staying up. The next one will tell me why the team is going down. And the third one will give his verdict, and we will we will rotate. So somebody doesn't have to be Mr. Negativity the whole time, Tony. I'd like being negative. Yeah, you, you, you'd send them all down, wouldn't you? Oh, you'd send you all what. six teams down. I'll tell you what, up to, up, to like, up, to, up to fifth place, all of them gone. <laughs> all of them Provided Liverpool don't finish six, of course. Well, if they do finish six, them as well. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. Birmingham City. They are currently in 15th place. Uh, they're on 39 points. That's a point more than Blackburn in 16th. They have a minus 17 goal difference. And uh, their run-in is comprised of Newcastle away, Fulham at home, and Spurs away on the last day of the season. Paddy. Why are Birmingham City going to stay up? They're going to stay up because uh, they've got a lot of good, experienced players and uh, they can prove it by showing us their medals. They're the only players in the country that can show us their medals this season. Well, because of the League Cup. Mm. Tony, is that a persuasive argument? I take it, no. You're going to tell me why Birmingham City are going down. Well, I would have said until until Saturday that they were in free... Uh, until yesterday, they were in free fall. Um, I don't think they could at the moment because I don't think anyone under them are going to get the points to get above them. So I could make something up for you, but would that be very satisfying for the listenership out there? Have I spoiled the whole thing? No. All right, you, you spoiled my little game, but that's all right. We persevere. Uh, Ollie, your verdict, Birmingham staying up or going down? Staying up. Staying up. Tony, Blackburn Rovers, 38 points, minus 14 goal difference. They've got a little three-point cushion over Blackpool. Um, and their run-in is West Ham away, what we used to call a six-pointer in my day. Uh, United at home, easy-peasy three points. And Wolves away, potentially another six-pointer. Tony, why are Rovers staying up? Because I think they'll manage to take a point at the two uh, relegation rivals in the six-pointers. I think they'll become two-pointers, one each, and I think that'll be enough to keep them up. Staying up with 40 points. Ollie, why could Blackburn be relegated? Uh, because I'm not convinced that they will, uh, they will pick up more points. You look at those two away games, West Ham and Wolves, and um, <laughs> everything is going to be... I mean, those are going to be two frenetic uh, occasions, frenetic atmospheres. Uh, all, the, all, all the support for the home team, the home team completely pumped up, and Blackburn maybe starting to get a little bit complacent. Um, I still don't think they're playing for their manager really. Good, good win the other day, but I think there are an awful lot of problems at Blackpool, uh, Blackburn. I, I'm not saying that they will go down, but I, I don't think they'll. Um, if, if Wolves and West Ham and Wigan get their act together, then. Blackburn are in serious danger of getting caught. Paddy, you get the verdict on this. Will your fellow Scott and fellow member of the shaven-headed fraternity, Steve Keen, keep Blackburn Rovers up? Yes. I can see them getting two points. Um, I can see... I don't know what has put this idea in my head. I can even see them taking one of them 
from Manchester United. Ooh. And I think they'll stay up. I think two points will be enough. 40 points will keep Blackburn up. You listening, Ancelotti? Blackpool and Ian Holloway, uh, they're in 17th place, 35 points, level with Wigan, one point ahead of Wolves. They have a goal difference of minus 22, and their run-in is Tottenham Hotspur away, Bolton at home, Manchester United away. Uh, Ollie, why is Ollie staying up? Because they've got that um, little cushion, um, and they've got a game, a home game against Bolton, which uh, I mean, I think I think everything will hinge on that for them. If they can, if they can win that, then they've got a decent chance of staying up. Um, if they can rediscover the enthusiasm and energy that they were showing uh, prior to their very expected dip, then. Um, then they will stay up, but it is a very big if. You could see Owen Coyle resting everybody, maybe playing mm. Adam Bogdan as a centre forward and himself in goal just for fun in that game. Um, Paddy, why is Ollie going down? Well, because uh, the defence has n- never been quite. They played lovely football. They played great football, and I'll be sorry to see the back of them. Uh, but the defence is not quite good enough. Plus, I think it'll go to the last day, and on the last day, they'll be playing a Manchester United team who are either trying to win, beat them to win the league, or to to play well so they get a place in the Champions League final six days later. So Blackpool. It's back to where you came from. You don't think United will gift them the points if they beat Chelsea this weekend, like they did against West Ham a few years ago, and then they signed Tevez like the following week? No. Yeah. Interesting. Tony, your verdict? Uh, all season, they've run out of steam in the second half. I say they've run out of steam here. Down. Roberto Martinez and Wigan Athletic, uh, 18th place, 35 points, level with Blackpool, but slightly worse goal difference of minus 23. Um, And their run-in reads Aston Villa away, West Ham at home, yet another six-pointer, and Stoke away on the last day of the season. Paddy, make an argument why Roberto Martinez will keep them up again I think they will partly and you've alluded to it in the way you framed the question because I think the experience does help I think they've got the perfect run in the goal difference does worry me slightly but I think they can rectify that the six pointers on their ground absolutely vital um, and on the ground, which is always full, and they get so much support, right? Uh, and such uh, a good pitch. They, too. they do get actually good support from a small number of people. So um, I think, I think, yes, Wigan Athletic to stay up. Tony, tell me why Roberto is doomed. Well, I thought they had safety in their hands on Saturday, and then of course they went and handled the bloody ball in the box, and they dropped two points to Everton. I think that will be a massive two points for them, and I think. Uh, that will be the moment they will regret all through the summer bit of karma eh Ollie you get the deciding vote I would like to be nice and say that everybody would stay up but uh, we're going to be very vulnerable if they they don't win that home game against West Ham I'm not sure where else the points are going to come from so I'm going to say down Wolverhampton Wanderers in Yorkshire Mick Barnsley Mick actually um, West Brom at home 
big derby there. Sunderland away. Sunderland, who I think have been on holiday for about three months. And I, we need to get Culkin in for that one. Uh, and Blackburn Rovers at home on the last day of the season. They have uh, 34 points, one point behind uh, um, Wigan, two points ahead of West Ham, and a goal difference of minus 23. Tony, why are Wolves staying up? Sunderland. Nice and neat. How are you with that? <laughs> Sunderland's just... Everybody's whipping boy. Just what else you want me to say? All right. Um, Ollie, you got to argue why Wolves could be going down. Uh, well, if we're, if we're assuming that Sunderland are a completely busted flush, then West Ham have, have got to play them as well. So um, <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, Wolves have got a, a good um, a good run in. Two home games and an away game against Sunderland, but... It's uh, pressure on, and I, I would say that yesterday was an occasion where they should have picked up points, three points. No question about that one, Paddy. Yeah, well, I take Wolves to, to, to win one and draw another of their final three games and still go down. 38 points. So West Ham, bottom of the table, 32 points, uh, goal difference of negative 23. Interesting run-in. Blackburn at home, Wigan Athletic away, Sunderland at home. Ollie, why are West Ham staying up? Um, Because they tend to stay up. Uh, They tend to get away with it. They've got... A good, uh, a good couple of games left. Blackburn home, Sunderland at home, Wigan away. If they, if, I mean, they could they could feasibly get seven, nine points for that. Whether that or not that is enough, I don't know. But they will get points. And I think with Scott Parker coming back, they will have a, a, a little burst that, um, of form and get something back that they've been lacking the last few weeks. Paddy, I don't see them winning all three. I think the the. <clears throat> the excellent run spell they did have when it looked as if they were going to sail out of trouble has come to an end and there's no guarantee of course that when Parker comes back that he'll instantly recover his prime form so it's uh, down for West Ham Judge Evans uh, bad ownership who are happy with parachute play- payments uh, a manager who can't even keep his notes together and players who know they won't, want, who won't be there next season gone, forgotten all right. Well, looks like um, we may have to engage in some form of uh, we might change our voting system and engage in some form of alternative voting here. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, four of the six teams you have all picked to go down. So we will simply put it to a vote and see how clever our panel is. I will ask you to pick three teams to go down. If And then you can <coughs> pick your second choice, your third choice. No, I'm just Thank kidding. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Patty. Yep. Uh, my three to go down are West Ham, Wolves, and Blackpool. Tony. West Ham, Wigan, Blackpool. Ollie. West Ham, Wigan, Blackpool. There you have it. There's no, no point in me casting a deciding vote because your teams going down are West Ham, Blackpool, and Wigan. Uh, Hammers fans, Latics fans, and Blackpool fans. We dance on your grave. If you don't like it, please direct complaints to Messrs. Barkley, Evans, and Kay. All right, as uh, the producer Chris Skidder likes to say, we go off the fence now for some quick hits. Peter Ottavinky scores again for West Brom as they beat Aston Villa 2-1 and pretty much secure their place in the Premier League next season. 
Paddy Chicharito has gotten a lot of love as the Premier League's best newcomer, but Adam Vingy has been as influential, if not more, in keeping them up. And in fact, some people might say he's been more influential in keeping him up than your god Scott Parker has as well, but I digress. Uh, which signing was more crucial this season? It's a tough one, I suppose. Chicharito, if Manchester United win the league and the Champions League. But, yeah, but West uh, Brom are going to stay up. Exactly. Manchester United won diddly I, so far. No, no, I'm not uh, making light of your point. It's a very good one. Um, I would say, though, that Odin Wingy hasn't done it alone. I, I, I think we're terribly striker-centric in the way we discuss football. And I think that the quality of the uh, passing from midfield uh, for West Bromwich has been absolutely splendid, uh, all, actually all season. And since Hodgson's come, they depend as well. So I was trying to blow before you could get to Hodgson. Tony told me to do that. <laughs> Manchester City stay on track for a top four finish, beating West Ham 2-1, though the match was less comfortable than you might think. Ollie, is a Champions League spot enough for Roberto Mancini to keep his job, or does he also need to win that thing they call the FA Cup? Well, I think if, if they don't win the FA Cup, I, th- I think that an awful lot of questions will be raised um, about Manchester City and about which way uh, Mancini's taking them. And I think it's overly simplistic to judge a manager on um, on a cup final and, and his result in a cup final. But it, I would say Manchester City have under, underperformed in the Premier League, whether they finish top four or not. They've underperformed. They need to win the FA Cup. So he needs to win both to keep his job, is what you're saying? Well, it's not a case of winning both. It's it's a case of winning winning one and finishing top four. I, I don't think I don't think that's the owner's for, frame of mind at the moment. But I think um, failure to win the FA Cup would uh, would plant a seed that um, that uh, says that this hasn't been acceptable. I just hope we hear Gary Cook use the word trajectory again. Uh, Liverpool pummeled Newcastle, who may or may not have been thinking of their summer halls right now, uh, but they're now alongside Spurs in fifth place. Tony, very simple question. Would you offer Kenny Douglas the job right now? Well, as I'm the man who would have offered them the job the day after Rafa Benitez was sacked, I think there's an obvious answer to that. Um, the reality is, uh, I dare Fenway Sports Group to sack him. I dare them. I dare them to bring someone else in. Go ahead. Let's see how far you get. Make his day. Gab, one for you. Three of the four Europa League semi-finalists are from Portugal. And after that astonishing 5-1 comeback win by Porto against Villarreal in the first leg, we're virtually assured a Portuguese winner. Is there a broader significance here, or is it just happenstance? I think there is a broader significance, um, which is that you know it's just as important, especially if you're a second-tier club, and inevitably, simply by virtue of being a Portuguese club, they're going to be in a European context, they're going to be second-tier clubs. You have to know how to sell well and buy well and constantly reinvent yourself. If you look at uh, Benfica last year losing uh, the, you know, the likes of, of Ramirez and, and, and David Luiz and, uh, and Braga losing, uh, losing the goalkeeper Eduardo and you know, Porto getting a new manager in Villas-Boas, all these teams have really managed to reinvent themselves. They've come back this season just as strong. Villas Boas, of course, his debut season. He's, he's the hot guy everybody wa- everybody wants. Um, but I think it really shows that Portuguese football is certainly run much much better than the Portuguese economy. And if you were Fenway Sports Group, who would you have as the next Liverpool manager, Kenny Dalglish? Or Andre Villas Boas? <laughs> I think Andre Villas Boas is uh, off the market right now. But um, but if I were at Fenway Sports Group, um, I would certainly pursue him but for the future. The guy's 32, 33 years old. I don't think he's ready to manage Liverpool. 
Thank you for spending your time with us. You can go to www.thetimes.co.uk for all your news, your gossip, your analysis. Uh, we also now have these funky talking audio visual slides, which Patty does, right? Yeah. Very We've done well, one actually, anyway. Yeah. Also, our web chats. Mine is today on a bank holiday Monday. Uh, but Patty, yours is on Tuesday. And you can also catch some Graham Spears and some Ollie K during the week. You can always follow us on Twitter as well. I'm at Marcotti. K is at Oliver K Times and Patty is at P Barkley Times, if I'm not mistaken. You're not. It's goodbye from me and Patty. Say goodbye, Patty. Goodbye, Patty.